Hey everybody, uh, this is Pastor Hicks coming back with the Sunday recap. Thank you um, to all the followers that um, have decided to listen um, to the explanation of sermons that were preached um, either this Sunday or previous Sundays. And I'm going to come this morning um, from Acts 4th chapter verses 1 to 31. And I'm going to read it. Um, the text from the New Living Translation. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, and said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, The stone that you built is rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves, What should we do with these men? They asked each other. You can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to, to, wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O oh, sovereign God, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. 
but everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us your servant great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. In this prayer, and after this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And the title of the preaching moment um, was called I'm Still Standing. And I started off with the premise that it's easy um, to stand. I kind of made a play on standing when you're older versus standing with your young when you're younger. As I begin to write and understand, standing is not necessarily the difficult part. The difficult part is remaining standing. Um, keeping yourself um, planted, keeping yourself steady, keeping yourself braced, keeping yourself ready. And we talked about, um, as a congregation, as I preached this text, um, how we stand in the middle of ups and downs, how we stand in the middle, um, in some cases, financial ups and downs, social ups and downs. If I can be transparent, um, ups and downs, um, racially, um, with things going on with the Waffle House and their treatment of people of color, and with things going on with brown people at the border of the United States um, being detained, and being able to still stand in this context or still brace yourself in this context where we've seen Trail of Tears with Native Americans and um, the Ma'afa with African Americans and consecrate concentration camps with Asian Americans during World War II. Um, and uh, it, it almost comes against the argument of kneeling for a flag when we're still in a place of having to stand um, against um, this evil, against different ethnicities in this yet-to-be United States. Um, still standing against propaganda, against the home, still standing on a spiritual sense and you, as you're warring against the spirit and the flesh, still standing um, against danger seen and unseen. And I jumped off of that and jumped into the text uh, where Peter is in a place of still standing. Um, and the text kind of helps us with how to deal with difficult situations um, and how to still stand and how to still endure. The first point, because I, I don't want to keep our podcast long, um, the first point is I'm still standing, um, but why? And if you go through the life of Peter, you can see that he had a lot of still standing um, moments. Um, he was still standing, still faithful to the gospel after seeing um, Christ ascend into heaven, still faithful after Judas sold them out, um, still faithful after being taken out of the comfort zone of being a fisherman and being moved by the Holy Spirit now to be a preacher, still standing after being called to, to preach all over the world. And that's the good part of still standing. But Peter was still standing after he made some mistakes. It's a word to those on the podcast listening, probably thinking, man, you're running off these things um, that people are standing and we're standing against that are um, against us. But there's a place where you're still standing after you make a mistake or after you willingly did something that you weren't supposed to do. Because um, Peter's was and Peter is an example of God's grace because Peter still stand or still was standing um, after he was the one who denied Christ three times. He was still standing after he cut off the man's ear who came to grab Christ um, begin the crucifixion process. He was still standing after he decided to go back to fishing 
after he was told to wait on the Holy Spirit. And there's there's a place for us where we celebrate standing against oppression, but there's also a place where you can celebrate um, God's grace, giving you the opportunity to stand even after not the best day. So standing after you were the one who was the betrayer, still standing after you were the one who let someone down, still standing um, after you took a vacation from God, a um, vacation from um, being in the presence of the Almighty and then not having discernment when you should have and making a decision that was not lined up with his perfect will for you um, and learning from those those tough times. But then the, the, the challenge in that first part of the still standing motif is still standing, but for what or why? Because you notice it, it wasn't that the Sadducees were upset that Peter healed the man. Sadducees were upset that Peter healed the man and confirmed that healing to Christ. The Sadducees weren't upset that Peter preached. The Sadducees were upset that Peter was preaching the resurrection. So the question for us is, if we're standing, what are we standing for? And what is the validity of our stand? Um, are we standing just to give a good testimony? Are we standing for the justice of somebody else? In our homes as husbands and wives, are we standing just to keep the peace or are we standing to really get to the root of the issue, crucify our flesh, turn away from those things that are willfully hurting our spouses and actually become better people um, and better mothers and fathers? Um, what are you standing for? And if, you, and if that pushes against your sensitivities, remember Christ didn't just go to the cross to die, he went to the cross to save. Christ didn't just heal to heal, but he healed to take off the scale so people could see that he was the way and the truth and the life. Christ stood and engaged the culture so that people can have a better tomorrow. So if you're going to stand, it's great that we're still standing. It's great that you're, you're a survivor. It's great that you came through whatever it is that you came through. It's great that you came through the mistake that you made. But now that you're coming through, what is the platform that you're using for the fact that you're now standing? What are you doing with what you're doing um, with your standing position? Then as we move along, I'm, I'm standing, but for how long? I notice in the text it's very interesting, Peter's resolve um, to come against the Sadducees and Pharisees. Peter's resolve to say, I'm standing um, because of Christ. I'm standing because this was the one you rejected, but this is the one who was resurrected. I'm standing not because of me. I healed this man not because of me, but because of the power God infused through me, um, through the resurrection of his son. I'm standing because of Jesus. And it, it now, I know you're thinking, well, you just said I'm standing, but why? But the question now goes into, but for how long? And when you go into the story of Peter, um, Peter goes through stages of his faith that I think all people go through, that I've gone through, you've gone through, and our friends have gone through. Um, and it shows a progression in the maturity of his faith. And so where am I getting this from? Um, another text I'm reading, uh, I've read, is called Anthony T. Browder's book, um, for the survival strategies for Africans in America. And he says, um, when you're taking in information, you have three level of, levels of thinking. You have literal, you have inferential, and you have evaluative. Literal is when you take things at their face value. And inferential is when you begin to have questions about life and infer from those questions or infer from those situations 
to see if what you believe is really holding water. And then evaluative, you take all the information you have, um, not just face value, not just inferential, but you take those two and put them together and then you evaluate where you stand after you've been through the fire of life. Peter, when he first met Christ, he was told he was going to be a fisher of men. When he first met Christ, he was told, Jesus told him he was going to get up from the grave. When he first met Christ, he was, he dealt with the Peters. He, he dealt with the miracles. He walked on water. A lot of his stuff was, was, was very, um, literal. My, his faith was very literal. Christ said it, it happened. It was very, it was, it was very easy for Peter to follow. But then as, as life began to hit some bumps and Christ began to go through the process of being crucified, then Peter had some questions. Um... He knew he was going to get up, but I didn't know it was going to be this rough. I didn't know I was going to deny him three times. I, I, he began to ask, um, as the psalmist said, in, uh, psalmist said in Psalm 43, Lord, where are you? But then after Peter evaluated some things, he took what was literal and he took the inferential and began to evaluate. You know what? After everything, Christ did get up like he said. After everything, he did give me power from on high. After everything, I'm so much further along from being the fisherman that I was before to the preacher I am now. In fact, I'm even using some of the skills I had then to do what God is calling me to do now. And for many of us, that's that's how we move through the faith. That's how we move through life. We start off with the literal. Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. That was told to us um, from our parents. We have a literal interpretation of God because our faith is at that, that stage. But then what happens is we have the inferential part where you begin to ask questions of God when things and life gets rough. And I hope someone hears me on the podcast today. Don't be afraid to question the Lord when things don't go the way you planned. That may be a perfect opportunity for God to draw you closer. And just like Peter, you think in that Psalm 43, um, Lord, why have you discarded me? God, where are you? God, this, is, this isn't panning out. I'm having some questions. I'm beginning to question, does my faith hold water versus what I'm dealing with? But if you hold on, begin to see and evaluate the literal that you started off with, the inferential that you had in the middle of a storm or of a situation, you come onto the other side of evaluating your faith, saying, you know what? At the end of the day, I believe that God was there all the time. I believe that he's brought me through. I believe the third person of the Godhead has comforted me and she keeps me um, and has kept me. And I'm here because of that truth. I'm also here because I made the decision to be, to have a literal faith, to have an inferential faith. And now evaluate things and have a faith that's even more strength than it was before. But it's not just those cognitive things, but it's the filling of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit filled Peter, he was able to speak. When the Holy Spirit filled Peter, he was able to heal. That takes spending time with God. That takes communing. That takes communing with others. That takes operating in your talents and in your purpose. So it's not just what I think, but I'm, I'm standing. The how is not just that I'm thinking it, but the how is that I'm being filled by God. 
because the miracles happen or the power flows through, not just that I cognitively know, but I have a relationship that causes me to be filled and causes me to do the things that I'm able to do. In fact, some of us who are listening have the testimony. I don't know where that came from. I don't know where that prayer came from. I don't know where that miracle came from. I don't know where that healing touch came from. I know that I had a gift, but I know I did not work to get it. I didn't know I did not earn to get it. Yes, I spent time. Yes, I read. Yes, I'm praying. Yes, I'm fasting. That help comes with the filling, but the filling is a gift given by God. And because I'm filled, I'm able to do what God has gifted me to do, what God has called me to do. And Peter was able to do the great things. Peter was able to do the things to be a blessing, not just about Peter, the person, but what was Peter doing to help somebody else? Peter was able to do that because he was filled. So again, it's not just literal, it's not just um, inferential, it's not just evaluative. You take that cognitive part, and you add that to the portion of it where I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then finally, the last part of the sermonic moment that we're recapping is, I'm still standing because I have help. So the story goes, the text goes that after Peter has a confrontation um, with the Sanhedrin, uh, with Caiaphas, with the other um, other leaders, he's sent away. He goes um, and talks to fellow believers, and, and almost I can visualize that they come together. And Peter says, "Listen, this is what happened." And their response is to pray. So often we miss that part. That after um, we've been standing and after we have a solid place on our faith and after we've come through a victory, it's a great time to go before the Lord. It's a great time to pray. It's a great time to meditate. It's a great time to even practice silence and listen to the voice of God. But their prayer was very powerful. Their prayer did not ask to be removed from the trouble. Their prayer was asking for God to keep them so they can handle the trouble. First of all, I'm still standing because I have help. First of all, their help comes with the presence of each other in their lives. We can't go through this thing alone. We need help. We need folks to pray with. We need folks' hands to hold on to. We need folks to hold us accountable. Then those hands I'm holding are first my first line of help. My second line of help is then I'm praying to the Lord. I'm going before the Lord. Lord, I need you. Lord, Lord, I'm I'm in this space. Lord, I'm in this mindset. Lord, Lord, help me. But then not just the help, but what am I praying when I'm asking for the help? One, they weren't afraid to call the enemy by name. They weren't afraid to say, God, these people, this context is against me. But Lord, I don't want you to take me out. Give me strength while I'm in it. Give me endurance while I'm in it. And I know I, I can testify. I can be be honest in the moment that when tough times hit, yes, I want to say, Lord, remove the tough time. Lord, remove the trial. Lord, remove the waiting period. Lord, remove the in-between time. Lord, remove the argument with my wife. Lord, remove um, this portion of raising a son and a daughter that, that, seems, that seems impossible. But there's a certain, there's a certain blessing that goes with saying, God... I know you have me in this for a reason. You have me in this for a time. And I'm going to ask you to remove it. Strengthen me while I'm in it. That your will is done through me while I'm in it. So I'm still standing. You're still standing. Um, I hope this podcast blessed you. 
I uh, hope this podcast works for you. I'll be more consistent in sending more and putting more out. Um, don't forget the text was Acts 4 um, verses 1 through 31. At some points to guide you through your day. I'm still standing, but why? I'm still standing because God has been good. I'm still standing because God has blessed me to stand against evil. But God has always blessed me to stand and has blessed me to stand after I messed up. Then, if you're standing, what is your platform? What are you standing on? Who are you helping while you're standing? You're standing about pious Christian arrogance. But you're standing about getting involved and helping somebody else. Then I'm standing, but for how long? Make sure you check your faith. Where are you? Are you in a literal place? Are you in an inferential place? Are you in a evaluative place? And then with all three of those, please make sure you are making room for the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, um, to fill you so you're able to continue to stand. And then finally, you're still standing. I'm still standing. We're still standing because we have help. We have help of fellow believers. We have help of brothers and sisters. We have help because we're praying about what we're dealing with. And we have help because we're saying, God, if it's your will, don't take me out of it. Help me while I'm in it. Help me to stand. I pray this blesses you. Um, please comment. Please press the, press the clap button. Um, please call in. And I look forward to encountering you guys really, really soon. Take care. Be blessed. Peace.